So just to kind of cover or recap what happened in the last chapter, you uh, ended up back in Prince George. You were working at the Netherlands Netherlands Overseas Mill and you worked up uh, the ranks there and eventually becoming superintendent. And what happened after that? So when I was at Netherlands and, uh, you know, I was the yard superintendent and uh, uh, in, in the finishing end, uh, you know, I met uh, some people that worked on our dry kilns that uh, had a sawmill in Watson Lake in the Yukon. Uh, I don't know how they acquired it, but they did have that sawmill. They had problems with the management of that mill. Mm -hmm. And so they approached me if I was, would be interested in maybe managing that mill. And then, uh, you know, uh, I said, okay, I'll give it thought. And then started kind of negotiating with them about, uh, okay, I'll go down there and uh, you know, I, I want to get a third ownership in the mill, uh, you know, within a certain time period. So we decided that uh, I would take over the management of the mill. Uh, within five years, I could acquire a third interest in the mill. So that got me to my sawmill. And, uh, you know, so uh, I then decided to go to the mill. Uh, you know, it, it must have been in the midsummer. And, mm -hmm. uh, I knew enough about it that if the mill is a small mill, and I went uh, went there, and I knew that it was a small sawmill mm -hmm. and a planer mill, I needed some good key people. For sure. And and I kn I heard from a friend of mine that there was one fella that was a very good sawyer. The sawyer is the one that makes the first cut of the tree. The tree comes mm -hmm. into the mill before it goes through it. He kind of turns it in there. And, and sets the pace for the production in the mill. That's okay. how all mills used to be. The small mills around Prince Georgeville, there's maybe now four or five sawmills or mills, if that. There used to be 500 or 600 mills here in, uh, in the 50s. You know, so, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, so in any event, I had to find a good sawyer. So I found a fellow that uh, had, uh, you know, and, and that was not uncommon, but he had a drinking problem. And he, he was set up in the McDonald's that where the courthouse is now. That's where the motel was. Uh -huh. And I had to somehow convince Sandy Toma, was his name, that had been uh, in the lumber business in the Williams Lake area. Mm -hmm. and, and in fact, owned a lot of timber. And then, uh, but they had a drinking problem as, uh, you know, was not uncommon. And then got into a bar fight and he was tough. And he hit a guy and he killed him. So that kind of destroyed his business. Oh, and wow. then, uh, yeah, one hit and uh, just kind of it was done, oh. finished. You know, so, uh, uh, and since the time he had been drinking, he lost his family, everything. And then mm -hmm. he hung out up uh, on the McDonald's. So I got to know him. So I went up to Sandy and kind of acquired his confidence. And I said, I'm going to the Yukon and I need somebody like you, blah, blah, blah. And it took me a couple of weeks and then Debbie decided he was going to come with me and uh, I got, uh, uh, you know, my car, I got a U-Haul and off to the Yukon I want. Oh my gosh. Did you ever think you'd make it up that far in Canada? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, yeah. so no question. And uh, so I, uh, you know, so wherever I had to go, right? So, mm -hmm. so now the Yukon is, uh, I believe it is mile 623. You know, the whole Alaska Highway is about 1,200 miles. Yeah. To uh, the Alaska border, 
starting in Dawson Creek being mile zero. Mm -hmm. And for those that don't know about the Alaska Highway, it was built in about 1943, and it was a defense road because there was fear of the Japanese attacking North America through this. The road is built like a snake because they built it in such a way that if airplanes would attack military transports mm -hmm. going through it, then that would be very difficult because it'd be snaking and be all gravel. So you can well imagine if I was with a car, with my U-Haul behind me and then uh, Sandy and myself in the front seat, and uh, you know, so uh, doing the 600 miles from Dawson Creek to Watson Lake on gravel. Once you get oh behind a truck, you may be behind the truck for five, six hours. Yeah. In yeah. dust, in a cloud of dust, you know. So anyway, so we ended up in Watson Lake. Uh, I got to know the mill. Uh, Sandy went to work. I stayed in a motel. Mm -hmm. I was single at the time, and I was uh, by then. I was uh, twenty-seven. Nineteen sixty-seven, and uh, you know. So uh, and I stayed in the motel, and uh, the motel was called Jack and Mac Hotel. Mm -hmm. Motel. And, uh, you know, so I stayed there and then ran the mill and worked uh, as I always do, uh, you know, as uh, 40, 60, 70, 80 hours a week and to make it work and make it a success. And it was doing pretty good. Okay. And then, uh, you know, I got just started talking to and my dream of buying the mill was still very much on my mind. Mm -hmm. So I got to know Mac quite well that owned the mill and she had been married to Jack. That's why they called it Jack and Mac. And uh, then... Jack had also a bit of an issue, a problem. He was his own worst customer, so he sat in the bar. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, from early in the morning or from early day to in the evening. And, and then one day he fell off the bar stool and he was done. Oh. Yeah, it's very sad. You know, so anyway, so he was gone and Mac at the motel and, uh, you know, and uh, that was it. And so that's when I, I never knew Jack, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so Mac was... At the time, uh, you know, probably somewhat middle-aged and uh, single and, uh, you know, and didn't like it much. She wanted to get out of that motel. Mm -hmm. But then what had happened to Mac, she met Jesse and, uh, you know, they kind of fell in love and then she married Jesse. The unfortunate part is that Jesse had a bit of the same problem as Jack had. Oh. And, and so Mac said, I got to get out of here oh. because I'm not going to lose two of them, you oh, know, no. so. Yeah, so she started talking to me and I said to, you know, and, and, and there was me mm -hmm. trying to, how do I build or buy a sawmill? I have to make money. Right, you right. Know? Uh, you know, so, and I saw this maybe as an opportunity. There was the motel. She wanted to get out of the motel. And you saw something in that motel. Yeah, not that I wanted to do that as a career, but mm -hmm. I saw value that if I bought it and I got it at the wrong, right price, price and I build it up, I could sell it at a profit and that would be seed money for me buying a mill mm -hmm. or D-mill. You know, so, uh, so I started negotiating with uh, Mac and uh, you know, we made a deal where I would sell the motel for her and then I would get the finder's fee. I think it was about $10,000 or so. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, which was a little bit of the steep side, but hey, Mac, if you want to get out, this is what I, I will sell the motel for you and then, uh, you know, and then uh, get you the price that you want. And then, uh, so, and that's what we did. So uh, what I did is I set up a company, Signpost Motel Limited. Mm -hmm. It was a company owned by me. 
uh, you know, that entered into an agreement to buy the motel. I got the fee, went to the bank, got the operating money to, you know, negotiate a deal with her. And she was happy, I was happy, and I had a motel. Oh my gosh, you had a motel. <laughs> yeah, I owned a motel. I never worked in a motel. I didn't drink and, uh, you know, so, and there were uh, cabins and there was uh, a campground, there was taxis, there were grass, there were rooms, and there was a small bar. This was a whole new territory for you. A whole you. new territory. And at the same time, I was already uh, operating the mill. Yes. But I had to make seed money to mm -hmm. buy my mill. Because exactly. Time was marching on. I was getting older. I already was 27. I still didn't have a mill. Mm -hmm. I was in a hurry. You know, so uh, in any event, the, uh, uh, then the, the, the motel business is not very good there. It's usually very seasonal. It's usually Americans that have to see all 50 states. And the last one is usually Alaska. Mm -hmm. And uh, so during the summer, it was very busy. And, busy. and then uh, during the rest of the year, there were mines all around it and hunting and all, a lot of guys uh, that, that worked there and had very much money. And, uh, but there was not much to do and there were not many skirts around and, mm -hmm. uh, and they started drinking a lot and, uh, and, and not a pleasant environment. No. And but, but on the other hand, good money to make in the bar. <laughs> And, and so what I did is, I, as soon as I buy something like that, I have to build it up. So there were about 35 seats. I built it up to Cabaret, seating about 150 people. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was the biggest Cabaret outside of Whitehorse. Well, look at that. But a lot of trouble. Oh, yes. I know. Yeah. I was going to say. Because between the booze and the, and the drugs and, uh, you know, so... And, uh, you know, so I operated that for, uh, you know, a number of years, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so I believe probably about for three or four years. Okay. And then in uh, 1972, a couple of things happened. I got married to Eve, right. as I talked about uh, in an earlier uh, episode. And, uh, you know, for five dollars, uh, Chappie Chapman married us, the, uh, uh, you know, the justice of the peace in, the, in that area. Yeah. Five bucks. Mean guy. <laughs> You know, so, but uh, it was nice, okay, well, we got married. And, and, but I only had 10 minutes because I had to get back to the bar. Oh, you know, no. So because I was pouring the drinks and, yeah. uh, you know, so, and if I'm not there, the money walks away or the booze walk away. So, uh, you know, the, it was too much at stake. Mm -hmm. You know, so the, I operated it uh, during that point, but it, it used to get rough. You know, and, and I had to be pretty much all the time close by because right. if something happened, mm -hmm. I could stop it fairly quickly. Okay. You know, so, and, uh, but it, it uh, could get very, very rough. So tell me a little bit about that because in your book you explain a, little, a few experiences here and there. Which one is one that maybe stands out to you the most? The one that likely stands out the most is a fellow they called uh, Montana. Mm -hmm. And Montana was around Watson Lake. I knew him. He used to come to our uh, bar, and uh, but I didn't know where he came from or where he went to. Now, the Yukon is different. Watson Lake is different. If you are not there, you are an outsider. That's how they refer to you. Oh, he's an outsider. You have to be there at least 5, 10, 15 years before you are an insider. Mm -hmm. Save and accept. One exception. If you own a bar, you get a pass, right? So the, uh, you know, that as soon as you open, you're an insider. You oh, know, no question Perfect. About so you fit right in then. I fit right in. <laughs> you know, the only thing I didn't think, you know. So in any event, so things would get pretty rough at times, but uh, I, I had a good nose for that. And then I 
kind of stopped it fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. And uh, but there were some tough, tough fights. The one stands out is that uh, you know the I was standing behind the bar. Mm -hmm. You know I was serving about. Uh, that's a business on its own because very quickly we had three or four people on the floor. They come to you, they dump all the drinks, and you go, I'm going to blah 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 blah, and then I'm they got rid of it. Then now I'm supposed to remember it. I was pretty good at it actually, and uh, <laughs> you know so and then. The, the, it was a fairly safe place, you know, that, uh, you know, people were very selective in terms of uh, I didn't want any trouble in there and, mm -hmm. and, and a lot of cops that were off duty came down there because it was a pleasant place to be in and we had music and it was a dead corner and I always remember the, uh, the, the off duty cop came to me and he said, John, you got a problem on the corner down there, somebody's trying to slide somebody's uh, throat. Oh. So I made my way around the corner of the bar and, and then on the corner there were four outsiders, you know, these guys were from out of town, right. had too much to drink and thought they were funny. Mm -hmm. And they had grabbed in another place, actually, they had grabbed Montana's hat. And they took it with them from that other place and then did something with it and he followed them. Oh. And, and then when he came walking in and he saw them sitting there, he went down there, he took his knife out, I mean a big bloody knife, yeah. and he put it on his throat oh and gosh. he said, get me my fucking head, you know, and, uh, you know, where is my head? And that's all he said. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the, the, the guys thought, well, it was funny. And then by the time I got there and uh, I, I said to the guys. To the outsiders. Get him the fucking head because if you don't, I can guarantee you he's going to slide your throat. And I just put in brand new carpet here and the blood all over the place. So get him his fucking head. Anyway, so one of them, mm -hmm. those guys, they started shivering like, you know, like, and, and they stormed out of the door. Yeah. Found the hat, brought it back, gave it to Montana, who then, even then still had the knife on his throat. And only when he had it, he put his knife away and he walked away and oh he walked out of the place. Jeez. So that's what's as close as you can get in terms of that. But even during the time that I was there, mm -hmm. and particularly in the last year, mm -hmm. in 1972, I had that year in particular was very difficult for me because yeah. I had uh, two occasions I had somebody pull a knife on me, and in uh, one occasion uh, and, uh, and a revolver. Right. And, uh, you know, and then in one case, I, I was woken up by the police in the middle of the night, three mm -hmm. o'clock. And they said they're looking for somebody that is staying in one of the rooms here, apparently room number 14. And uh, if he could open the door for them. Now, I was half asleep. I went down there. Right. And, and two cops were there standing on side by side. When I opened the door, mm -hmm. I was looking straight at 30-odd six. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, and then <laughs> my wife was expecting, uh, you know, my, uh, our first daughter and, uh, yeah. uh, you know, then there were some bad fights and, uh, I'm not a physical person, but, totally. uh, you know, the, uh, I, I don't, you know, but some of this stuff got pretty bad. Of course and, uh, and you have to draw the line somewhere, right? You know, your safety. Yeah. And, and some of this stuff, uh, you know, it could become very violent. And, uh, you know, so, and I, I then had, uh, you know, a first daughter would be born mm -hmm. and, uh, I said, uh, I have to get out of this, you mm -hmm. know, so I, 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 by nature, I don't give up ever, you know, but then I knew I would not survive this. So, uh, I gave it away. 
I tried to sell it. I had there were no buyers. Uh, you know, I had a relationship with John Whitmer, uh, a fellow who was a friend as well that managed Netherlands overseas. He was interested. I said, I'll give it to you for a dollar. Everything that I had there for a dollar. Yeah, give me a job and uh, then, uh, you know, because I have to get back to Prince George. My, we had decided there were no doctors really in Watson Lake and then when uh, Eve, uh, you know, uh, gave birth to our oldest daughter, mm -hmm. she was in Prince George. And, okay. But I knew, I knew I, would, I could only push the envelope so often and I would not survive this. Right. Know, so. so you ended up back in Prince George yeah. working for... Um, Netherlands Overseas, actually right. the Salmon and I drove forklift truck initially for about two months or so, three months, and then from there and then, they had a problem in that accounting department, so I, <laughs> I <laughs> that's what I did before, and uh, so I became cost accountant for them. And then they uh, had a problem in their uh, marketing department, so I became sales manager for, uh, the, the fellow that was, uh, their sales manager passed away actually, right. and uh, then I was sales manager for them in 1974, I think, and then, in 1975, I started working on my business plan mm -hmm. for a remand plant, and uh, you know, I decided to leave and then start pursuing uh, my company, Brink Force Products Ltd. Perfect. Okay, and we'll leave it right there. We'll we'll pick it up again on uh, episode or chapter three, where we talk a little bit more about that business plan Great. and so on. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you.